to another episode, guys. Double Shot Connect. If you're not following us on Instagram, at Double Shot Connect. So, Marv, we're almost at episode 10. Episode number 9. I can't believe that we've actually made us this far, but I'm still just as excited as I am from when I recorded the first podcast. So, once again, guys, thanks for listening. It means a lot, and keep listening to us. We really appreciate it. So, I am super excited for this episode. It is our first ever female guest on the podcast. What a moment. I've been absolutely excited all day. Marv, do you want to introduce who our first female guest is? Most definitely, most definitely. I would describe her as a mix of Mother Teresa, Jacinda Arden, and the mighty Oprah Winfrey. She's someone I've known for the last few years. She's very inspirational and someone I really really look up to and she probably doesn't know this because usually I make fun of her so her name's Rachel O'Day and without further ado welcome to the podcast. Hi guys thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on and first ever female guest how does it feel? I'm pretty honoured to be honest yeah it's um it's good. Well thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for coming on it's much appreciated and I've been told by Marv that you've listened to all our episodes so far so thank you very much so I suppose you would have heard Nathan Sloan and Joshua Cable being interviewed and I'm sure you know by now that I absolutely love asking this question so let's get into it Rach what is your double shot connect moment and for those who are new to this podcast what I mean by what is your double shot connect moment is basically what is an impactful or life-changing moment for you yeah I had a bit of a think about this to be honest I've had a great life so it's kind of hard to come up with one um, moment but for me I reckon the best thing I've ever done and what so much of my life comes back to is my exchange in Italy so when I was 17 coming towards the end of year 12 I knew I knew what I wanted to do at uni I wanted to go to uni and study law but I kind of thought what is it that I can do in the in the middle of that um I had a you know led a pretty grounded life and I wanted to get out of my comfort zone a bit so I signed up to do a Rotary exchange um much to my parents surprise and yeah you know got through a couple of rounds of interviews and eventually got told I was going to move to Italy for a year um didn't speak a word of Italian and had never really been away from home for more than a couple of weeks but packed my bags and went off and you know it was really sad to leave family and friends and a relationship in Perth but um I just wanted to go and do something new and yeah it was uh life-changing to say the least Oh, that's great. It sounds like an amazing story. So were you 17 or 18 at the time? Or how old were you then? I had just turned 17. So I was sort of coming off the back end of high school where, you know, I went to an all girls school. And so there's a lot of um, pressure and a lot of, yeah, like standards um, to live up to. And I really did see this as an opportunity, I guess, in that in that mind frame of um, going to a country where I don't speak the language. And I thought to myself, oh, great, this is an opportunity to sort of reinvent myself. I can get rid of all the parts of, you know, my personality that I don't like. And as I learn a new language, I can sort of recreate myself to be this perfect person that I sort of aspired to the whole of high school. And really in the end, what happened was as I learned the language and as I sort of carved my way through that year, I was exactly the same person in Italian as I was when I was in Australia. And you know what? Everyone really loved me for it. 
Um, so for me, it was a huge lesson, like, you know, be who you are um, and be unapologetic about it. And I carry that, you know, until this day. Oh, that's awesome. And two things I want to ask you coming out from that. What's your Italian alter ego? Oh, I'd be like a Daniela. A, a Daniela. Daniela. <laughs> that, that's good to hear. I and mean, the, the Italians would call me Rachele. But yeah, no, I would be like a strong-willed Daniela. Nice. And you, you said you were there for 12 months. So what was the one, or doesn't have to be one, but what are some highlights that occurred while you were there? Look, it was all amazing. Um, but probably one of the one of the moments I look back on was when my mum, my mum from Australia, my real mum, came to visit me um, when I was in Italy and I'd lived with a few host families by then. I think I was with the third and I'd, you know, built really beautiful relationships with all of them. And watching my mum come over and um, be with these people and socialise with these people who, you know, really loved me, um, for, you know, as their own family and as their own daughter, sort of my mum who doesn't speak a word of Italian and these families who didn't speak a word of English, watching them together is something I'll never forget. And I remember when my mum left, um, we had a big lunch and mum, we left at the end and it was going to be the last time my mum met one of the host families. And my mum and this Italian host mum, they just sort of stood there and cried together. And, you know, basically the host mum in Italian was just saying like, she's a daughter to me like and my mum was just saying to her thank you so much like thank you and neither of them understood what each other was saying but yeah it was just a really special moment and yeah I'll carry that for the rest of my life yeah and going on that trip do you think it made you grow closer to your family like appreciate them more when you came home it did um you know I'm I've been close with my family my entire life like for me family's number one it's everything um, it made me, yeah, it did bring me closer to my family. Um, but, you know, and probably not as much as you might expect. I think there have been other things in my life as well. And over the past few years, you know, I've grown closer and closer with my family. So, yeah, it definitely, it made me appreciate the concept of family more than bringing me, you know, specifically closer to certain members of my family. But, yeah, Italians are um, all about family and, you know, they've got huge hearts. And so, yeah, definitely, um, you know, yeah it's yeah. it's family yeah definitely and i can't believe farms didn't ask you what what was your favorite dish or your favorite dishes over in italy Ooh, i mean all the food is amazing but it's got to be you know going to the supermarket getting some fresh prosciutto some fresh mozzarella and tomatoes and just sitting in a park with a you know open bottle of wine and just eating you know the fresh food from the market so you're happy to host us and cook that for us at some stage? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm not really cooking much. It's straight from the fridge, but yeah, we'll... I hear you make a very nice gnocchi as well, so... Yeah, I've cracked, cracked the baked gnocchi recipe, yeah. so... Yeah, beautiful. And you mentioned in that as well, which I find very interesting, because I know a lot of 17-year-olds have no idea what they want to do. You said you've known what you've wanted to do since you were quite young. What is that that you've wanted to do, and are you pursuing that? in your life now yeah so I probably when I was about 10 I was watching a movie it was called Enchanted some of the listeners might remember it but um Patrick oh, what's his name from Grey's Anatomy um is oh, in it Patrick what's his name he oh, plays I thought you were going to say Patrick Swayze <laughs> no not Patrick Swayze um <laughs> McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy is in it and he plays a um divorce lawyer and he's a mediator and there's a couple that 
um, he's doing mediation with. And from that moment, I was like, that's it. I want to be a family lawyer. Um, so, yeah, say no more. Went to law school, um, got a law degree, got admitted last year as a lawyer. Um, but, yeah, towards the, the back end of law school, I thought to myself, you know, I really love this. Um, I love I love the law, but I'm really passionate about politics. It's something I've always been really interested in. Um, and, you know, my mum has worked either for government or with government her entire life. And I was really interested in the work that she did. So I thought, well, why don't I try and combine both my interests, my passion for the law and, you know, my excitement for politics and for government. So, yeah, ended up going into a grad program in, in government and currently not practising as a lawyer, but using my legal skills every day and, yeah, very fulfilled. That's awesome, and Look, just by hearing that, it sounds like, you know, you're very passionate about what you're currently doing and the degree that you studied and the law and things like that. I guess my question with that is, you know, everyone has sort of different motivations as to, you know, why they want to keep going. What motivates you to keep striving to be the best at what you do? Look, I think it's a mixture of things. I think um, I am not someone that was sort of gets up every day and goes, you know what, my life goal as a woman is to be a wife and to be a mother. Um, I've never really felt that overwhelming sense of like maternal nature, I guess. Um, I wake up in the morning and I go, I just want to deliver something. I want to make impact somehow. I want to, you know, work hard and solve issues and yeah for me I've always been very focused on building a career I think it probably comes back to um, watching you know a single mum run her own consultancy from home and do it extremely successfully and she put a lot of long hours in but she's taken so much fulfillment from her career and I've just always looked at that and gone that is what I want uh, for my life and yeah I get a lot of joy out of um you know working hard every day and and giving it my best so that's really what what motivates me yeah that, that's really awesome you're, you're motivating me right now so that's great to hear and I, you mentioned your mum a few times mm. I'm interested to know sort of who are some females that you look up to in your life currently yeah I mean yeah my mum for sure and you know I talk about my mum a lot but we've not always had the closest relationship we've always been close um but we didn't really see eye to eye in high when i was in high school and even when i was in uni we didn't have a huge amount in common but um over the past few years i think probably towards the end of my uni degree when i sort of you know knew who i was and what i wanted to um the person i wanted to be in the world we i guess um you know connected a little bit more and you know as i started my career in the public sector as well that gave us a lot a lot more in common to talk about and now you know she's the sort of person that brings me the most comfort in the world you know when I've had a bad day she's the person I want to ring and talk to about it but yeah apart from my mum who's probably my biggest inspiration I've got an older sister she's unreal she's um, feisty and stubborn at times but she's just yeah the most beautiful person and I look up to her so much um, and yeah, my grandma as well. I've got two grandmas. They're unreal, and yeah, just all the women in my family. But then you know, apart from that, I'm. I said before, I'm really interested in politics. So people like Julia Gillard, Jacinda Ardern, as uh, Marvin 
compared me to earlier. <laughs> um, big compliment. Thanks for that. But yeah, women like that, Tanya Plibersek with the Australian Labor Party, like I look up to those women and I follow their journeys really closely. Yeah, wow. That would, I can see why you're such a successful woman. You've really named some really powerful women and also it's great to see that you're really close with your family. Um, you know, you've gone down that path of, you've talked before about focusing on your career. How do you feel at current women, you know, it's how do you feel women are represented in the workforce? Like you can talk about maybe in your current job or in just in general, how do you? Yeah, I um, have to say that, and this is probably comes back to, um, you know, the influence that my mom has had in my career. Like she's, I'm growing up, I um, had a lot of sort of uh, times that I got to meet her colleagues and her friends and all of them have sort of had really successful careers in the public sector as well um, and I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of really great women and having some really strong female um, bosses but for me every corner I um, turn to in my career there is someone there sort of fighting for me and supporting me and, and um, mainly women but men too uh, and I've been really lucky that way and you know I think well the public sector is 70% female, but only 20% of women are in leadership positions. And so something's got to change over the next few years. I think things are shifting for the better, but you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So we'll give it a crack and see what happens. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was just listening to that. Yeah. Um, so very few le- women are in leadership roles. Is that what you say? Is that correct? Yeah, so in the sector, uh, women make up 70% of total employees, but only make up 20% of employees in leadership roles. Yeah. So that's a huge difference. And what it means is that men men are being promoted over women. Yeah, and do you see that at where you work and just or in general with... with yeah, that? I mean, I work for a department that's probably overrepresented by... Um, uh, men in leadership positions but we were also um, really lucky to have had a female DG last year she came in and she was um, she was there for a year and now she's gone on to um, a larger role so you know that's amazing for her and I currently report to two phenomenal women one of whom is you know 30 and um, one of the smartest most articulate people I've ever come across and you know the sector is so lucky to have her so I think that you know women are are making waves um and yeah progress is progress is happening do you have a quote maybe that you could share with us that would empower the future women to do like you do um I don't know if I have a quote that's sort of work related but I guess for me I every day I kind of live to the mantra that People will forget what you did and people will forget what you said, but people will never forget the way you made them feel. And that's really important, whether it's in work or in personal life. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat people with respect. Yeah, that's I live I live by that. Yeah, that, that's that's a really amazing quote. I mean, it, it's very important at the end of the day to yeah, treat people how you want to be treated so you know if you want to spread that kindness and positivity out there you you're definitely gonna receive it back so great quote there Rach and a quote that I liked the other day was be yourself because everyone else is taken yeah great quote very original thanks for sharing (laughs) but yeah that's a good one I like it I heard one the other day and it was um 
own the shit you hide or the shit you hide will own you. And I thought to myself, you know, that speaks to me in terms of like, everyone's got flaws, own them, don't try to hide them. Otherwise, you know, they'll own you. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're just firing out banger after bang, absolute zingers. Lots to think about, Marv. Lots to think about, lots to think about. Um, sitting next to two very uh, influential figures in the public sector in Western Australia and <laughs> giving me some really hot ideas to uh, when I go for a job interview. Rach, you talk about some really influential women in your life and I'm sure there's men as well. Do you see yourself being a mentor to, well, not just to women but to other people because it sounds like you have some amazing advice that you could share with others? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I would think about in, in the future. I love... You know, I went to law school, so naturally I like giving advice. Um, and yeah, I would, I would really like to. I want to give back, um, whether that be sort of now or maybe in five, 10 years, 15 years time when I, when I might have more to offer. But um, yeah, it's something that I really want to do at some point in my life. Yeah, that's great that you want to give back to. And it's really important, like I could say for myself at the moment, I'm mentoring as part of the uwa mentoring program and it's such a satisfying feeling that you know you were once there in their position and now you get to see it from another perspective so i could Mm -hmm. definitely given how motivated you are i could definitely see yourself doing really well at at at, in such a program so i highly recommend you get on it rach because thanks you, you do really well now i have a bit of a personal question for you but i guess from a female's perspective was uh, I don't want this to sound like an interview question but I guess was there ever a time when I guess you walked into a meeting or I don't know the lunchroom or just any sort of situation could be at a networking event or at work or anything like that was there a time where you've walked into the room and there may have been more of a representation of males was there ever a time where you that you felt intimidated yeah, I mean, look, I work in um, in the resources sector and so it's, yeah, predominantly made up of men. Um, there have been a few meetings that I've walked into and, well, I mean, firstly, when you're a female and also when you look quite young um, and you walk into a room of middle-aged men, like, you do get looks, you get um, uh, silent judgments about your capabilities um, and that's something that, you know, it sucks but also it's like, well, watch, let me prove you wrong, watch me prove you wrong. Um, I do have one specific time. I had a meeting last year. It was a negotiation meeting between government and proponents on the other side. And I walked in and um, I'd been working in the legal team at the time and I'd done a lot of the background work for the for the meeting that we were about to, um, to get stuck into. And we were going around the table and we were doing introductions and everyone was sort of saying, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm from X department or I'm from X agency, but no one was saying what their position titles were. Anyway, it gets to me and I just said, oh, you know, I'm Rachel, I work in legal services, just like that, no, that was it. And um, the guy sitting next to me who was uh, one of the sort of directors at work, he turned and loudly in front of everyone, he sort of put his hand up in front of my face and he said, you're just a grad. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and that was it. And everyone sort of looked at me, and then one of the women from um, the other side interrupted, and she said um, something like, "Well, you may be just a grad, but you know you're you're really lucky to be in this room because you know this is a great experience that you're going to be exposed to this." And um, yeah, I really sort of welcome your input and and that sort of thing. So yeah, 
um, yeah, he can fuck off. But <laughs> he can surely fuck off. And how did that make you feel? Oh, well, I mean, I mean, it makes you feel this big. And I'm, if for anyone who's, you know, you can't see us, but I'm doing a little bit of a centimetre sign. Oh, we've got yeah. Barm's camera over here. Yeah, video. we're video recording. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it makes you feel like absolute shit. But, yeah, it is one of those moments where you walk away and you go, let me prove you wrong. Um, and actually, you know, I uh, moved into a different team after that. And I've been, since been asked to go back and keep working on that project now because it's all sort of kicked off again and it's him who's leading that. So, yeah, he's, he's asked me back. Yeah, I, I'm still a bit speechless as to what happened there because that is, I mean, that's not on. I mean, everyone everyone has a place at the table. Does it matter how, what your title is? Everyone has, a, has an opportunity to contribute. You, you're not going to know until you put your hand up and say whatever you have to say. So honestly, thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, and I guess two things um, to finish off that story. The first thing is, I don't know whether he would have done that had it been a male grad at the table, but um, the fact that I have to question whether he would have done that or not sort of goes to show what women go through. Um, And I doubt that he would have done that. You know, I think that he did it because I'm young and because I'm a female. I don't think he would have done it to a a male. I think he probably would have taken him under his wing a little bit more and been a bit more of a supportive mentor. And I also guess back to what you were saying before, you're mentoring UWA now and it's not all, it's not just you know what you can give back with your experience it's also about what young people can teach you and I don't think that you know regardless of what position you are in life or what you've achieved you are always in a position to learn um, and I think people forget that too easily yeah and can I say Rach that speaks volumes on your character I've known you for a couple of years and I'm that makes me really proud and happy to hear that because it just shows you you know in a situation like that you're letting your actions speak and I know that's something that that you've um you know really pride yourself on and yeah like I don't think I've heard that story from you and yeah it's it's really amazing it's very empowering just even listening to that so to anyone at home or listening really you're getting you're getting some fine content here and yeah Yeah, it's amazing stuff you know for any women listening like prove them wrong like fucking prove them wrong because we can we're good enough like we're strong enough we've got a seat at the table so you know show them what they're missing out on is what i is what exactly and and women are are very good and we're very well known for multitasking unlike us men and i know i'm terrible at that so (laughs) just throwing that in there Arms is nodding. <laughs> I've got something to say about that. <laughs> Marvin can only do one thing: listen or speak, not both. <laughs> it's not very good to be on a podcast because you're trying to think of all these questions, but then you're also listening. So, <laughs> and leading on from that, Rach, I would like to know the opposite of that. So, what's a triumphant moment? What's what's a time when you've just sort of either walked into a room or left the room and you've just wanted to reach for the sky? But I own that. Um, I probably had a few of those recently, to be honest. There's um, been a bit of work going on. You know, I've got I've got a new manager and she doesn't have a lot of government experience and um, she's been hired at quite a senior level and she's fantastic, but she's very technical. Um, so there's been like quite a few times where I've had to sort of um, brief up and explain things to her and I've um, had to sort of go into meetings and lead on a few things because she's not been in a position to do it. And I think that I've, um, yeah, really proved to myself that I can do it. And I think that I've um, really quickly um, shown to my, to my sort of higher superiors as well that 
that I'm capable of that as well. And yeah, I um, have been involved recently in negotiating a lot of financial agreements to get money out of the door and get it into the hands of um, small sort of businesses that want to do want to do good during COVID and want to hit the ground running with their business. Um, and I've yeah been really proud of the way that I've dealt with those negotiations and sort of finding a balance between um, holding the line on certain sort of clauses within agreements, um, you know, holding the government line and sort of fighting for government. And then also um, just, you know, seeing things from the other side and wanting to sort of um, be pragmatic and get money out the door to sort of support the economy in this tough time. So, yeah those are the kinds of moments I would think about um and I'm someone that always speaks up when I think that we could be doing something better I don't sit back and go well I'm only you know this level or I'm only this many years into my career what would I know I think no you know what Rach um you've studied for so long you're passionate about this you're a clear thinker you your input has value so speak um and I do, and that's something that I'm really proud of. I'm often told by sort of managers that, like, they're glad that I that I speak up because you know, obviously, it eventually leads to a better outcome, or it leads to you know, um, uh, being able to identify a roadblock block earlier and perhaps mitigate it. So, yeah, I'm proud of the way that I do things. I'm not perfect. I have so much to learn, but yeah, every day is is a new challenge at work. Yeah, and that's something that's really inspiring me hearing you speak is, you know, essentially you're backing yourself in and that's an important quality to have because then that just sort of builds on that confidence because you're like, you know what, I have something to say and I'm going to say it. So that's really awesome. And you're saying a lot of good things here, Rach. So for young women out there, what are some top tips that you have you know growing up going through high school going through uni what are some what's some advice that you have for the young women out there oh there's so much but um i mean in terms of believing yourself like you just said one of the greatest quotes is uh, if you know believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself don't expect anyone else to um so you know that's a really good one i would say to sort of younger women you know what don't sweat the small stuff Um, because, you know, I look back on my high school years and overwhelmingly they were amazing and I had so much fun and um, it was great. But, you know, all the times where I thought to myself, oh, maybe I'm not good enough or I need to change this or I need to look a certain way or people won't like me and all those things that I think are more prevalent now, those mindsets. Um, No one fucking cares in sort of five, ten years' time and ultimately it's not about the way you look. It's not about... um, it's not about any of that. It's the, it's the way that you treat people and it's the way that you behave that that shines through and, um, and dictates your character. So, yeah, to young women, I would just say, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, um, yeah amazing stuff and completely agree with that, all that self-doubt and how you've, how you've addressed that. How does Rachel see, well, in 10 years from now, or even five years from now, what would you like to see in the workplace culture and life in general like for women what that we don't have now because going back to the story you story you were telling before it's still really prevalent how females are treated in the workplace and yeah as Vam said that's really shocking and something that thankfully i've never experienced and i being a, being a male, I've never experienced mm. that. And yeah, what would you like to see kind of change and what do you see in like five to 10 years time or even 
in the future. Do you know what? I actually don't know I'm the best person to answer that because even though I've got these stories of, you know, unfair things that have happened to me and shit things that men have said to me, like overwhelmingly my experience in life as a woman has been fantastic. You know, I've got a I've got a strong mum who's guided the way for me and has been, you know, my biggest influence and I've got a dad who is the number one supporter of women like he couldn't be more supportive and proud of me and my sister and he um is just so positive and he has so much encouragement for us and so my parents have never um you know made me doubt myself and doubt my ability and my worth as a woman and i think that um yeah it's a tough question. I'd love to sort of sit here and say, these are all the things that, you know, need to happen. But ultimately I've not experienced a lot of them. So really what I want to do in the next five to 10 years is actually learn about, uh, learn more about the injustices that women face in the workplace and to sort of be more of an advocate for women, I think, because um, 99 or 95% of women don't have it as good as I do and don't have the mentors and the support that I've had. And so, yeah, it really is my duty as, you know, an up-and-coming public servant and up-and-coming sort of woman in the workforce is to go and um, learn about their experiences and advocate for them. But, yeah, I would like to see women more highly represented at at leadership levels because they are worthy of it. I would like... um, And I think one of the things is there are so many women who actually just can't get into the workforce to begin with. And that's one of the issues Like you know, you talk about um, you have. I remember last year we had at work uh, International Women's Day and we talked about what we could be doing more for women in the workplace to make them feel welcome. And I thought to myself, the fact that we're all here, the fact that, you know, we we're in these jobs means that we have a certain level of support and we. There could be more, but, you know, I'm really grateful for that. What we need to do is to find out about the percentage of women who have tried to get into the workforce and weren't able to, and what can we do to support them? Um, And I don't know the answer to that, but that's something that um, I think is really important. It's supporting, you know, finding the, the, the gap and supporting the gap. Yeah, that's really amazing. And look, if I think there's going to be one person to drive that change. I think it's going to be you, Rach, because I'm sure all the listeners out there, when they listen to this, they can hear the passion in your voice. So, And you know what? It's really great to see the fact that, you know, you're really passionate about it. And from what I can see is that you're someone who's not going to stop until you achieve an outcome, which I really respect because I sort of, I'm a similar person. I, I If I focus on something... I'm not going to stop until at least either get there or halfway get there. So I really admire that. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's passion is one thing, but just doing your job and um, being being a good person is another. And, you know, I'm sure you meet outcomes every day, Vams, and you don't go, oh, I, did, I achieved this today. And it's because I'm passionate. You do it because it's your job. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I can sit here and say I'm really passionate about women's rights, but it doesn't really come back to passion all women should feel this way you know all women should be confident and believe in themselves and the fact that they don't means that there's a problem and we have to address it but it shouldn't be up to only the passionate women to go out and address it you know um you don't have to be passionate about something to make make a change it's like you know with all the um the horrible racism stuff that's going on in the world you don't need to passionately dislike racism in order to be anti-racist or to go out and to make a change yeah, like definitely. you just have to be a good person and you know passion helps 
Could we see? Could we see Rachel in politics? You talked us quite a bit about how you really enjoy politics. You're a really good speaker. Articulate yourself very well. Jacinda Ardern's one of your um, idols. <laughs> you know, Vimes and I would vote for you. Would you pursue that? Um. I mean, the answer at this stage is no, on the basis that... Oh, it's a very political... <laughs> yeah, I guess, on the basis that I don't think I could do it to myself. Um, you know, I'm a confident person, I believe in myself, but um, I don't believe in myself that much yet. I'm not that confident yet, and you've got to be a really tough nut to be in politics. I just sort of think of what think of the, the, the um, treatment that Julia Gillard received, and all for what, all because she was a woman... Um, well, perhaps not all of it, but it, it definitely explains a, a, it, it explains a large yes. part of the way that she was treated. And I don't think at this stage I could do it to myself and my mental health, and I don't think I could put my family through it either. Um, but, you know, that's not to say it's a no forever, but, yeah, it's a, it's a no for now. And also I feel I've got so much more to learn before I ever get to the place where I feel that I could represent a majority. Yeah, definitely. You're still young still. And yeah. It's very funny, or not that funny, but you just mentioned mental health and mm. you're a very hard-working person. It sounds like you're 100 kilometres an hour all the time. Does this ever, you know, affect your mental health? And if, if it does, is there anything that you do to address it? Um, look, the answer is probably working hard and um, having being motivated to go to work and being passionate about things probably helps my mental health. Um, I'm someone that really needs to be busy and when I'm not busy that's when my mental health kind of declines um, you know I hate having sick days because you know sick days where I feel physically sick because I know at the end of it I'm going to feel more f- mentally unwell and that's because I can't I'm not someone that can just sit at home and do nothing um, that kind of sends me into a spiral of anxiety and and bad thoughts. Um, for me, routine, being busy, um, working hard keeps me keeps me grounded, keeps me feeling fulfilled and feeling sane. And I mean, going back to you know even my double shot connect moment. One of the reasons for me that is such a, an amazing moment is because I look back now, and that was sort of seven or eight years ago, and I am so proud of that person because she, you know, it was me, but she had no worries, she had no concerns, she didn't care what people thought, she just went out there and she did something like, I didn't even at the time consider it out of my comfort zone, I just did it because it seemed fun and seemed interesting and I wouldn't do that now. And that's because I've had some like, you know, pretty severe mental health struggles, you know, in my early 20s. Um, And coming out of that, I think I've worked really hard to be, to get back to a place of sort of normal mental health, but I have um, an anxious mind, and that's something that I developed, you know, in my you know, yeah in my early twenties, and I still have that now, and I don't think I could ever do it to myself now, and so that for me is one of why it's one of those sort of moments that I go like I'm so happy that I did that, I'm so proud of the person that did that because I don't think I could do it now. Yeah, and something that you just said really struck a chord with me, and I kind of feel the same way as you is that I feel like I'm operating at my best when I'm on the go there's not really much downtime I guess the word for it is like you're constantly hustling you know like you're going from one meeting to the next and then you've only got this amount of time to punch out this memo and then I've got to go home and then I've got to see this mate and I've got to get home by this time because I want to get a good sleep we've got this important meeting Mm -hmm. the next day but 
it might sound a bit sort of manic or crazy but it's kind of those moments where I feel like it makes me I guess have to be on top of my game yeah and if I'm on top of my game that's what I guess gives me an empowering feeling if that makes sense yeah totally like I'm on the same page you know I complain about days where I've got back-to-back meetings but I don't know what I'm complaining about I find them the most exciting days to be at work when you sort of just go from one thing to another and you've got all like you know a finger in every pie and yeah those are the days that um kind of give me the most fulfillment and I think also sort of yeah I've I've always been someone that's just go 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 I don't really stop and and think and there are times when that can cause you to sort of crash and um have a bit of a down weekend or have a down week but for me this um you know the whole COVID isolation period has been really good apart from me being sort of really sad and really scared for a lot of people that it affects badly um I've continued to go to work the whole time um, and so I've and I've probably never been busier at work so I've had you know hectic days in the office and then I've come home and I've just had that right amount of time to reset and gather myself for the next day and I've had really nice weekends at home with immediate family and I've had time to do up my apartment which I moved into in January that I haven't been able to do much with so it's kind of given me that really good reset that I need while still being really busy and fulfilled at work. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I guess we've sort of spoken about women and women in different positions and things like that. And I guess over the last few years or three to five years, you know, there's definitely women in sport has sort of become a pretty big topic. You know, we've got the WAFL, we've got the Women's Big Bash, we've got the Women's A-League. I mean, netball's been around for a while and we've got women's basketball. Do you think that if they received or if it got more attention just in society or in media, say, I guess when you were growing up, do you think that you'd personally pursue a sport or some of your mates would? What do you think there? Maybe. um, My dad coaches um, women's footy and he coached one of the um, sort of amateur WAFL teams when he lived in Perth and he coached the team in Tassie now and he's really passionate about it and I've grown up and my dad worked in footy my whole life and I've grown up um, around footy so for me sport is sort of one of those things that is so ingrained in me and so much a part of who I am do I think I would have pursued it probably not Um, but had had we had that when I was younger do I think women would be paid you know 10% of what men are paid in sport no Um, I think if we'd started this earlier, then women would be in a much better position in sport financially than they are now. Um, But yeah, I don't think I personally would have pursued a a sport professionally. Um, I'm probably not fit enough, but yeah, I'm very into sport. Um, I'm a mad Dockers fan, which Marvin's just looking at me, waiting to make fun of me about. Um, <laughs> no, no comment. Yeah, but I think, you know, for sure it's one of those things if it had happened earlier in my life when other people's lives, then there would have been a larger uptake and we'd see more women in sport now. We'd see more support for women in sport, like members and whatnot, and they would be on a, a more equal playing field with money, one would think. Do you think... You're, so you're a Docker supporter. Do you think that the men's team or the women's team will win a premiership first? Look, I'm going to go with um, B, the women's team. But, uh, yeah, look. Is it tough being a Docker supporter, Rach? 
Yeah, it is. It's had its oh, it's had its unreal times. Like 2013, being at Subiaco Oval for the prelim, watching Dockers get into the first grand final. Like there aren't many feelings in life like that. Um, and then it's been a downward spiral ever since, which has been a shame. But you know, being a Dockers supporter, I mean, it's tough, but it's also uh, I would never, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's taught me a lot about loyalty and disappointment. But um, yeah, no, I love the Dockers. Um, I've got my mum a membership for Christmas, but sadly she hasn't been able to attend any games. So yeah, nah, it's tough, but it's happy as well. Yeah, definitely. And I guess with the AFL as well, like I guess before women's football came along and was televised on a national stage, I guess in one respect, footy's sort of portrayed to be a very, I don't know, blokey atmosphere if, if you would describe it in that mm. way. And, you know, you, you said yourself that you're an avid supporter and you sort of grew up around footy and things like that from, I guess, from a female's perspective. How, how do you feel when you go along to a footy game? And I guess at times there's a lot of blokes in the crowd sledging and things like that. Sort of how do you feel in those moments? Oh, look, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I love going to the footy. I love watching sport. Um, one of the best... I mean, I've been to a lot of really good footy games. I've been to some pretty crap ones as well. But one of the best games I ever went to... No comment. (laughs) One of the best games I ever went to actually was earlier this year before COVID hit. um, And it was the the first derby between the female um, Dockers team and the female Eagles team because they've just started. um, They've just come on board, the Eagles team. And it was at Optus Stadium. It was a full house. There wasn't an empty seat there. So I reckon there was, what, 64,000 people there. No one was really supporting either side. Everyone was just there for the girls and everyone was there for the experience. And it was just an unreal experience. I went with my mum and yeah, it was amazing to watch. The atmosphere was unbelievable. And you know what, my mum wanted to go and I kind of like, I'm denied during the week. and. You know, it's a bit of an effort to get on the train. And then I just thought, like, what are you thinking? Like, you go all the time to the men's games. Like, get on the bloody train, go to the game, show up for the girls. And it was one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah. And the Dockers won. Even better, right? Yeah. <laughs> winning a derby, who knew? Yeah, and I've seen a women's AFL game. I think it was a dockers last year and i I liked what i saw they played a really good brand of footy so i'm sure and hopefully more eyes on them and they they get the attention that they deserve because footy's a great game and should and can be played by all so yeah yeah it's great and look rach i just really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today It's, it's been really awesome getting your insights i think you've told some really great stories and I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there feeling inspired listening to this and I can hand on heart definitely say that I've been really inspired listening to you. So once again, thanks for coming on. And Marv, any concluding comments? Oh, I guess this is a little bit cheeky, Rach. No pressure, Marv. No pressure, okay. I just wanted to ask you, a powerful, independent, courageous and all these amazing things, all these traits, surely... You're off the market. You've got a partner. Do you want to do you? No, I mean, I was waiting for that question. Um, yeah, I'm on the market, I guess, for lack of a better um, phrase. So, yeah, not off the market, but not actively um, out there giving a go. I'm just living my life. And if something comes along, it comes along. But, yeah, um, 
I'm not I'm not prepared to settle, so And Nath, independent, courageous, beautiful looking man, are you on or off the market? <laughs> um I'm window shopping. <laughs> On that note. I'm very call- expensive, so yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> don't, know, don't know if I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, call me Cupid and I'm out. <laughs> no, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a blast. And, you know, I'm really proud of you for giving people a platform and for giving yourselves a platform because, I mean, I know both of you, but I know Marv really well. And um, something I admire about you is, you know, open conversations and, um, talking about your feelings so yeah I'm glad that you've given yourselves this opportunity and you know well done thanks for the props Rach and before we go where can we plug your socials where can we find you oh I think I'm uh, Rachel double underscore O'Day oh, think? when yeah. she hits oh, you in the double <laughs> underscore eh? I think one underscore was probably was it taken or uh, yeah I probably was oh, yeah okay. I think I, I did have to settle in that regard for two underscores that bloody first Rach underscore O'Day. Yeah. We'll have to find her, track her down and just say, look, the real Rachel O'Day needs a one underscore. So look. Yeah, otherwise Daniela underscore Italiano for the alter ego. <laughs> yeah, can you give us a bit of, give us, can you say Nathan has small calves in Italian for the listeners out there? I can't lie in Italian, Mark. Oh. <laughs> it's definitely not a lie. Give us, give us uh, maybe... Uh, thanks for listening and keep listening to Double Shot Connect in the future in Italian and we can sign up yeah sign up for us in Italian alright I'm going to give you grazie e arrivederci oh double clap for that so there you have it guys Rachel Day on the podcast you're really going to enjoy this episode so thanks for tuning in and tune in for the next one